Let the church say amen. There we go. There we go. Hey, y'all. I'm so happy to be here. The Presbytery loves you. We're 85 churches, 33 new worshiping communities. We're north, south, east, and west. We're all over this greater Atlanta area. So I'm bringing all the love and also the love from your congregational consultant, Joy Fisher. So this sermon that you're going to hear is one of two that have been in my spirit coming out of this COVID situation that we've been in for over three years. So if you've watched me on other YouTube things or other churches and it sounds familiar, pretend like it's a new thing, right? Our text comes from, our New Testament text comes from Romans 12 uh, verses 9 through 21. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Have mercy on us. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation on all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength, our hope, our rock, our love, and our redeemer. Amen. When we embark on a new thing, it can be equally fun and exciting and also scary. I can recall the faces of some of the young couples I have married over the years, especially their faces when they're getting ready to go down the aisle and look at one another, and then they'll look at me and like, oh, we're doing this today. And they'll look at one another, and, and you can see that they're excited, but they're also nervous for this new adventure of their lives together. A new job, a new house, a new town, all of it comes with dreams of how life will be amazing and different. And all of that newness is also filled with fear and trembling for all that will change in the face of the next new thing. New is exciting. New is appealing. New can take your breath away. 
And new can be intimidating, new can be unsettling, and it can be downright terrifying. When helping a new couple find the scripture for their wedding day, I am often drawn to the language found in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. I tell them, I know 1 Corinthians 13 is the jam. I know everyone chooses that. Love is patient and love is kind. But the language in this text is really an encourage for anyone embarking on something new. Paul knows what it feels like to gather a new group of believers together. In his letters to the early church, we find not only encouragement, but words and language that will set the tone for what it means to be in relationship to one another. This new community of Jews and Gentiles in this new community, among this new movement of disciples, he sets the tone and the framework for what it means to love one another and to be in covenant with one another. Paul reminds this new group that love looks different as a follower of Jesus Christ. Love should be genuine. Love leads us to cling to the good and hate the evil. Love leads us to outdo one another in care and compassion. Love will keep you committed to empathy holding space for pain and grief, and to come together and celebrate and give thanks. Love in this new community calls everyone to reach out to the stranger and the marginalized. Love like this operates in peace and rejects injustice and oppressive forces. By the time I say that in a nice, you know, compassionate and passionate tone, they're like, yes, Romans 12, we want to use that. <laughs> Finding tangible ways to love, it's not always easy. Finding the right words and actions to demonstrate love in a new phase of any relationship takes courage and practice and work in the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that look in the couple's eyes where they realize that they can do it. They look at each other and they realize we can practice a love that is genuine and authentic and true. Like a couple on the brink of starting a new marital life together, we are watching the church cross the threshold of a new reality of what it means to be the church in a post-pandemic reality. As you all know, 85 churches, 33 new worshiping communities, and I will always remember how the world changed for the church the weekend of March 15th, 2020. Three years ago, I watched pastors and churches like this jump on Facebook and figure out who was switching to online worship. Our staff scrambled to try to make a list to get the websites lined up. I even got online from St. Simon's. I'm like, y'all can do it. Be techie for three months. It's been three years. And we know that we must do life and church in a new way. I've watched staid and steady mainline Presbyterians become TV evangelists, tech gurus, videographers, social media specialists, and content creators overnight. And let's be honest, this new thing was scary at first, but it continues to shape us and form us. And if we're going to be vulnerable for many of us, this new thing has raised questions and anxieties and concerns about what it means to be the church. And just like new couples headed into a new phase of their life together, we too as the church need some tools to make sure that we can fine-tune our practices of living into a new reality. 
of the numerous weddings I've officiated, I can remember getting a frantic text from a couple of newlyweds. They had been married about six or seven months. The text was in all caps, so you knew it was really urgent. She had come to the reality that she had had her first big fight with her spouse. The text starts off like this. Aisha, I think this marriage is over. We've never fought like this. We don't see eye to eye. How can we go forward? And I simply asked her, I wonder if you guys are speaking the right love languages. We talked about Gary Chapman's classic book, The Five Love Languages, that lifts up the ways couples need to learn the love language of the other. Words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, receiving gifts, physical touch. The difference in these languages is the difference between hearing the words I love you in Spanish or Arabic or Korean or Russian or Japanese or Swahili. New couples must learn the language of the other as one would learn a new unknown language so that their mate can receive love, so that they can learn and grow together, so they can tackle new obstacles. The church needs to learn some new love languages. Church, we're in a season that we've never been in before. We need to learn new languages of love to proclaim the gospel to those who are hungry and thirsty for more. I think the world needs to hear two distinct love languages from the church. They need the love language of digital space and the love language of justice. The love language of digital space in 2021, our presbytery had a theme, virtual and vital. And we talked about the need to use tech. And I often talk about having to learn AOL Instant Messenger in the early 2000s as a youth director. My handle at the time was Dreadylocks because it was catchy and I had dreadlocks. I didn't learn this because I liked it. I learned it because I loved the kids. And that was their mode of connecting, and that's how I was able to connect with them. So no matter what that vehicle is, if it's Facebook, if it's Zoom, if it's online, if it's streaming, if it's even a TikTok or two, whatever that vehicle is so that I can convey the message of love, that's what matters. And the church should, too. When we think about languages of justice, back in 2020, we talked about having a 2020 vision. That was our theme for the Presbytery. We talked about the Matthew 25 invitation from our denomination to be concerned about three areas, building congregational vitality, dismantling uh, structural racism, and eradicating poverty. We were supposed to just study that on the PowerPoint slide that I had presented. We weren't supposed to have to embody and really deal with it. it the, the PowerPoint slide is really nice. It's educate, engage, and act. And folks had it and we talked about it. But we had no idea in 2020 that we have a crash course in speaking the love languages of justice as we watch this country torn apart by the murders of black and brown bodies, names like Ahmad and Brianna and George floated around in ways we had never imagined. We had no idea that the pandemic would show all the disparities in ways we had not thought of. It's been three years and we have to keep the language of justice on our lips. Church, we have a choice as we celebrate what it means to be new. 
We can deal with it with fear and trembling, or we can walk in the power and assurance that God is with us in this new reality. You heard those promises read in Isaiah. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. And now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. One of my ministry colleagues, Dr. Jonathan Walton, he's the newest president at Princeton Theological Seminary, first African-American to hold that position. And when he was serving in a few different areas at Wake, Div, uh, Wake Forest Divinity School and also at Harvard Chapel, he got on social media as he does. And right in the middle of the pandemic, I'll never forget this, he said, the new thing is the now thing. It's what God is doing in us now. And church, that's my question for you. How will you do the new thing now? How will you demonstrate true hospitality by creating an, an atmosphere that's both virtual and in person? The new thing is the now thing before us. How will you continue to use your voice, your resources, your influence, and your power to help those folks who are seeking justice, who are on the edge of brokenness and oppression? We must cling to God as we make sense of how the new thing is the now thing. So I want to leave you with four reminders. As you step into the new, first, rejoice. As my mama would say, if you woke up this morning and you had breath in your lungs, amen, hallelujah, you could clap. This is the casual service, right? That's right. You should rejoice if you got up this morning. That every morning that you wake up is a new opportunity to participate in the new thing and the now thing that God is doing. The second way to step into the new that is the now is to repent. We have to let go of how we have perceived church and how we think church should be. And trust that God is doing new things in and through us. Third, we must rely on God. We're really smart, self-sufficient people. All it takes is a prayer every morning. Lord, help me do it in your strength. Help me to do it by your power. Help me to do it by your direction. So rely on God. And finally, rebuild. We need to rebuild how people connect with the church, how we connect with the community. We need to rebuild new partnerships and connections with neighbors old and new. The new thing is the now thing. I encourage you to be the kind of disciples who rejoice, who repent, who rely on God, and who rebuild. And in this season and always, may we be open to learning languages of love. May the world hear the message of love and know that love is genuine and it's authentic, that love cares for neighbor and stranger. And it's God's love that has the power to heal, save, transform, and make all things new. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, amen. Amen.